This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We start with a major search and rescue effort for two men caught in an avalanche near Mount Seymour. The snowshoers were in a remote area when the snow beneath them broke free. Dozens of search members taking part in this risky rescue. And as John Waugh reports, one hiker was spotted clinging to a tree. The other hasn't been seen since the avalanche. After hours of clinging to a tree for his survival, this snowshoer is finally back on solid ground. A bittersweet rescue considering another man remains unaccounted for in the North Shore backcountry. He's got no injuries. He's, uh, he, he's fine. And uh, now we've moved to the second phase just to try and find his buddy. The distress call came in Monday morning. Two men who had spent the night after snowshoeing near Runner Peak were caught in an avalanche. One of the party is hanging from, uh, hanging onto a tree so that he doesn't slide down any further, and he was able to phone out to 911. SAR members were able to locate the one subject who was able to secure himself to a tree via phone and spot device. There's somewhere between 30 and 50 centimeters of snow, and it's sitting on a crust. And it's poorly bonding to that crust right now, so there's potential for a full 30 to 50 centimeter thick slab on that snow right now. When time is everything, the conditions did not help. From the air, low clouds kept crews at bay for most of the day. From the ground, it was the risk of another avalanche. Even SAR members who were dropped in the area were unable to make it across the treacherous terrain. Eventually, a long line picking up both of the SAR members and their man. Don't want to say too much just because they're still searching for my buddy and whatnot and they're doing a killer job. Um, i rather just say that everybody here killed it and they kept in correspondence with me and they made this part as easy as it can be, but um, they're still looking for him. So I don't, I don't want to say too much because we're still holding out hope that everybody's going to be okay. And while the avalanche debris field could be seen by helicopters, the second man has yet to be found. Well, John joins us now with the very latest on the search. John, what's the plan for the man who's still missing? Well, Chris, with what little time they had left this afternoon, they first blasted the area to securely drop down a team that included search and rescue members as well as avalanche dogs and their handlers. And they did a quick scan of that avalanche debris field but could not find any sign of that missing snowshoer. Now, moving forward, they say they will have to reassess first thing to tomorrow morning. But, of course, this is all dependent on weather conditions. Back to you. And his buddy still holding out hope like the rest of us. Thanks very much, John.
Well, the stability in the backcountry could deteriorate even further as another wave of snow is upon us. Meteorologist Yvonne Shell joins us with those details. Yvonne. Yes, Sophie, a special weather statement has been issued for Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley. We're keeping a close eye now. We've already seen that increase in cloud cover, but the moisture is going to push in overnight. We already see a chance of flurries, but the bulk of it will be late morning and in towards the afternoon. This model suggesting that towards the west it will be falling as rain, but we're looking at rain with snow for many areas. Higher amounts will be pushing in towards the east and the Fraser Valley and the timing of it, especially for the morning with temperatures just hovering the freezing mark is why we're seeing the potential for some wet snowfall. So tomorrow, Metro Vancouver higher elevations could see up to five centimeters and the Fraser Valley anywhere between five and up to ten. More coming up shortly. So all right. Thanks, Yvonne. And we'll stay with the risk of avalanches for a moment with a few tips from the experts before enjoying the great outdoors. Skiing, snowboarding or snowshoeing, whatever you do, trip planning is critical. Experts say before you head out, be sure you're well prepared and that you have all the right gear to make every outing safe and enjoyable. Anyone who's heading out to the, for a winter adventure or any adventure in that mind um, should always follow our three T's. That's our core messaging. So always leaving a trip plan, having the right training for your activity, and taking the right essentials. Now, a bizarre and controversial case of a police dog essentially on trial in connection with a drug bust. Police say uncovered thousands of fentanyl pills. The case thrown out because the sniffer dog didn't clearly perform her duties. That's according to the judge. Global's Rumi Nadea has the exclusive details, including never-before-seen exhibits from B.C.'s Supreme Court. That's good. Good. Move over. It starts off as a routine traffic stop for speeding, but RCMP Corporal Clayton Catelier is suspicious. I'm a little concerned there might be something in here that's illegal. This stretch of highway near Chilliwack, a known drug corridor, an overnight trip from Calgary to Vancouver in 2017, just to buy used tires, not adding up. Are you nervous a little bit? Shaking a little bit? Oh, I have to eat. Oh, oh you, okay. You got, go ahead if you want. I have hypoglycemia. The Mountie immediately notices a strong odor of either cologne or air freshener, plus several cell phones. A red flag for drug activity, according to court documents. Hey, just come over here. 59-year-old Sandor Rigo is detained, while the Mountie brings in his partner. Dudes, an experienced drug dog, has found controlled substances, leading to an arrest 30 to 50 times in the past. Only one false positive in training, according to court evidence. Good girl. In less than 30 seconds, Dudes puts her paws on the van and then partially sits, which the officer interprets as evidence of drugs. That's all good girl. Me? So my dog's trained to search for narcotics, drugs. She's telling me there's narcotics in the vehicle, okay? Rigo is arrested, even though no drugs are found roadside. His van towed. Upon further inspection by a mechanic, Corporal Catelier finds 27,500 fentanyl pills near the rear right wheel well, based on evidence presented in court. Rigo is charged with possession for the purpose of trafficking, but the case is thrown out. Rigo acquitted. It's the, essentially the dog that is on trial. 
This legal expert says it comes down to whether dudes sits or doesn't sit. The controversial moment obstructed in the police dash cam video. In a pretrial decision from October 2018, B.C. Supreme Court Justice Michael Brundrett rules the dog only gives a partial sit, which is highly ambiguous. Therefore, the arrest and search is illegal. Rigo's charter rights violated. The fentanyl pills thrown out of evidence. It is very unusual. We don't see a lot of cases involving dogs, and in particular, we don't see a lot of cases involving very ambiguous indication from dogs. Most of the time where there is a, an indication from a dog, it's very positive, it's very clear, and the courts can place good reliance on it. Corporal Catelier testified dudes tried to sit, but she was startled when her rear end hit the barrier. He believed the partial sit gave him reasonable grounds to arrest, search and seize. Crown Counsel tells Global News it is not appealing the decision. Even though there was an acquittal, none of the fentanyl hit the streets. The pills will be destroyed by the RCMP. So Regal walks. The judge said he recognizes the evils associated with fentanyl trafficking, but the officer's arrest was seriously flawed. Romina Dea, Global News. All right, Ramina joins us from the newsroom with more on this story. A lot of people shaking their heads about this story as it is, Ramina, but there's more to it. It's an incredibly compelling story, Sophie. In part two of our Global News exclusive, you'll hear the candid admission from the man who was arrested. Oh, I did find a substantial amount of fentanyl pills, okay, in your van. That's your van, right? Yes. The truth is you got me with that, you know, uh, agree. Now, Rigo tells the officer he gets paid 10 cents a pill to transport the drugs. Then he actually congratulates the Mountie, telling him he did a good job, but it's not enough. That's tomorrow. Sophie. Incredible stuff. All right. Thanks for that, Ramina. Now, if you would like to see the full judgment and reasoning in this case, we have posted all the documents on our website, globalnews.ca slash bc. The integrated homicide investigation team is taking over a case where a 60-year-old man found with serious injuries inside a Surrey home died in hospital a short time later. Grace Key has more on what we're learning about the victim and why police don't believe there is a wider risk to the public. Neighbors in the Surrey complex are shaken up, describing the 60-year-old man who was killed here as a friendly person. He was really nice and very kind, and then to find out that something like that happened to him, it's unfair. At about 2.15 Sunday afternoon, a 911 call came in of an assault at the Bristol Estates near 133rd Street and 105th Avenue in the Wally area. Police found a 60-year-old man unconscious with injuries described as being consistent with foul play. Neighbors say the victim was carried out in a stretcher and there were children inside the unit at the time. They handcuffed somebody with... He had long, dark hair, about my age. Um, I've talked to him before, pretty harmless-seeming guy. He went away in a car in handcuffs. Another person came out in a stretcher with a stab wound and directly in his stomach. And the guy's taken out on the stretcher, and then the other guy's taken out in cuffs, and it's like, I just let my kid out the door. The victim was rushed to hospital where he died from his injuries. Neighbors say they recognized the man who was handcuffed. I talked to him in a few mornings. He'd be out in the cold with his bare feet, smoking and having a coffee. Um, so he always seemed a bit strange, but harmless. And I saw him get taken away in handcuffs. Scary, right? Because straight next door to where we live, but it's not surprising. It's 
from the area we live in, right? The complex remains behind yellow police tape as investigators search for evidence. Police don't believe this is linked to the Lower Mainland gang conflict, instead describing it as an isolated, targeted incident. Grace Key, Global News. An investigation is underway to determine the cause of an accident involving a small plane in Pitt Meadows. The single-engine plane flipped as it was attempting to land at Pitt Meadows Airport this morning, ending up upside down. One person was on board at the time. They were not hurt, though. RCMP and Transport Canada are now investigating. BC's 2019 budget will be tabled tomorrow by Finance Minister Carol James. It's expected the budget will build on the party's goals of making life more affordable with a focus on families. Richard Zussman has a preview and how the province plans to pay for it all. And that's Vancouver Island. It's hard to miss the messaging. Finance Minister Carol James spending Budget Eve, better known as Family Day, at the Royal BC Museum, foreshadowing Tuesday's provincial budget. We want to make sure that families have hope, that they're not just living paycheck to paycheck. The province is expected to fill out the details on a billion-dollar commitment to child care over three years made last year. We're expecting $357 million, and it matters how that money is spent. It matters to families that their fees are lower. The government also putting some money behind Clean BC, specifically incentive programs for retrofitting homes, heat pumps, and zero-emission vehicles to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. The incentives are really important because we've seen in other jurisdictions like Ontario where you take the incentive away and sales of electric vehicles crater. As for disability advocates, they're hoping for an immediate boost to the disability rate as part of funding for the poverty reduction plan. We'd like to see that come up to a minimum of $1,500 per month and additional annually indexed towards inflation. The last fiscal update showed the province is in a good financial situation. A forecast surplus of $1.35 billion. So the question is, does the province want to spend some of that money or do they want to save? This government continues to rely on the pockets of British Columbians. They like to tax and spend taxpayer dollars. The NDP also facing the question, how will all this be paid for? We have a strong economy in British Columbia. Our growth projections uh, are good for the next couple of years. As for the tradition of a new pair of Budget Day shoes, James says she picked up hers on a two-for-one sale, promising one thing, like the budget, the shoes will be practical. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. All right, we're going to check in with Keith Baldry now, who joins us with more on some other notable ways your tax dollars will be spent. Keith? Yeah, I want to look at a couple of other areas, Chris, things I'll be looking for tomorrow. Some questions we're asking over uh, various areas of the budget, both in terms of revenues and expenditures. First of all, uh, take a look at what will happen to the property transfer taxes tomorrow. Are they going to be plummeting as they did on the current year, down $400 million because of the slowing housing market? Will they be down even more? I think they will. Will BC Ferries public subsidy get an increase to cover off that fare uh, freeze that was announced in the throne speech? They got $20 extra million last year. I think that subsidy likely will increase as well. The uh, province has been criticized for not really calculating what it takes to fight forest fires. So will the formula, which is a 10-year average, be changed to reflect the recent fire costs, the new reality of a half billion dollars a year, not just $60 million? And finally, are we ever going to see that promise in the campaign, $400 uh, rental uh, renter's rebate? Uh, will it finally materialize? I don't think it will, Chris. We're going to be asking Carol James about that tomorrow, as we've done in every budget lockup. She, she knows the question is coming. 
coming. I don't think we're going to see it before the next election rolls around. One final note. Tomorrow, you're going to see the health care budget, the health ministry budget, for the first time exceed $20 billion, an increase of almost $2 billion in just two years. It's just an indication, again, of spiraling health care costs as uh, our aging pop our population continues to age. Those costs continue to climb. No doubt. And complete coverage coming up on the budget special on BC One tomorrow. Keith, look forward to that with you. Be chatting with you and Sophie. You bet. Okay, thanks, Keith. Work on an LNG terminal and pipeline on Vancouver Island has been put on hold. The Hawaiian First Nation had partnered with Steelhead LNG to develop a project in Sarita Bay. That's about 70 kilometers southwest of Port Alberni. It would have been built on First Nations land, but according to a letter sent out this weekend by the First Nation... All work has ceased. The letter reads, we are saddened by the decision of Steelhead LNG. For its part, Steelhead LNG cites the growing concerns of Canadians about the potential risks. The company says it will be assessing the situation over the next six months. Right now, though, the owners of a Vancouver vegan store have been told by the Canadian Food Inspection Agency that they can't use the word cheese when describing their products. As Tanya Beja reports, they're the focus of a crackdown, but they still don't believe they're misleading their customers. This is our mustard cheddar. The products look and taste like cheese, but legally can't be labeled that. We've always labeled and made it really clear in our packaging that we are dairy-free and plant-based. The frustration is that we've tried to show a lot of clarity to not fool consumers. So this is the soft cheese. It's very young. Blue Heron produces coconut and nut-based products cultured with microbes and aged just like cheese. But the Canadian Food Inspection Agency says that word can't appear on the company's advertising because the products don't contain milk. Our friends at the Very Good Butchers say they, they make vegan sausages, plant-based sausages. They've never been told they can't use the word sausage. Chef and Blue Heron co-founder Karen McCarthy calls the rules arbitrary. Although the CFIA won't say who filed a complaint, it comes as the dairy industry grapples with changes to the Canada Food Guide that eliminate dairy as a separate food group. The dairy industry in Canada is in an interesting place right now. People, especially younger people, making different food choices that aren't necessarily including as much dairy. Plant-based cheesemakers will have to come up with a new word or fight back, potentially in court. By cracking down on plant-based companies in this way, it's as if the government is allowing the dairy industry to trademark these terms, these common terms for its own use. Blue Heron says it's seeking clarity on what it can and cannot call the cheese it makes and serves. In the meantime, the owners are hopeful the Food Inspection Agency will work with them. Our industry is a growing market and what we really feel is the CFIA hasn't grown um, their flexibility and their standards to include a lot of the products that are out there. Tanya Beja, Global News. Most of us have received a parking ticket at some time or another. I know I'm not a man on an island at the moment. <laughs> but a lower mainland man says he got one that was completely unjustified. I say that about mine too, though. Uh, that is true. <laughs> I do too. This guy has a point, Yes, though. he does. Andrew is here with his story, and he got nowhere with Impark until you stepped in. Yeah, and he had all the evidence, and he still wasn't getting anywhere, mm -hmm. so he came to us. Thanks, you two. He parked his car at a busy downtown Vancouver parkade, only to find himself in a frustrating situation. Turns out he was receiving a violation notice at the same time he was purchasing his ticket. Dale Laird prides himself on following the rules, so you can imagine his surprise when he purchased a parking ticket for two hours, only to return to find a parking violation on his windshield. 
I was surprised when I saw a ticket on my car because I, I had paid. Back in September, Dale parked at this impark lot at the downtown Vancouver Costco along Expo Boulevard. Dale says he parked on level one and paid $2 for two hours of parking and went shopping. He wasn't required to place his ticket on the dash. Turns out, though, a parking violation notice had been issued at 11.06 a.m. But Dale's actual parking ticket showed he had purchased the ticket at 11.05 a.m., one minute before he was slapped with an infraction. The patroller, didn't he see me parking the car? Didn't he see me walking away from the car? Or are, are they just oblivious to what's going on around them? Dale says he informed Imparked immediately. I uh, went home and I photocopied the ticket and the notice and uh, I wrote a letter explaining what, and showing the, telling Imparked to look at the times and asked them to uh, cancel the ticket and send me a written notice that they had canceled it. But Dale says he received no response. Instead, a month later... They issued a notice that said I owed them $65 for non-payment. So he wrote Impark again and no response. Two months later, Dale says Impark sent him a letter stating $85 would now be going to a collections agency. It was very frustrating trying to get it cancelled because uh, Impark just seemed to ignore me. He turned to Consumer Matters for help. After reaching out to Impark, Dale's parking violation was cancelled immediately. Impark stating, We can report that the notice has been cancelled as a result of the information now provided, which confirms that the customer had paid for parking. We regret this process took this long to resolve and has escalated to the present level. Our team would have provided an expedited resolution and voided the notice had the customer contacted us directly. I guess that was the most frustrating part. I know I paid. Now, we asked Impark to explain how this happened and what, if anything, it's doing to ensure it doesn't happen to others. Impark told us it cannot discuss the particulars due to privacy concerns, so it's still a mystery as to what went wrong here. And if you have a consumer issue for me, there's my email address at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. Parking pet peeves. Thanks. No doubt. Nice work on that one, though. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The fallout from the SNC-Lavalin scandal has claimed one high-level job. Gerald Butts, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's principal secretary, has resigned. Butts denies that he or anyone else from the Prime Minister's office tried to influence Jody Wilson-Raybould to help the Quebec company avoid prosecution for bribery. But he says the accusations are distracting from the Prime Minister's vital work and it's in the best interests of the PMO that he stepped down. There seems to be an ongoing trend here. The Prime Minister continually seems to be helping out his friends instead of everyday Canadians. Meantime, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh is calling on the federal government to hold a public inquiry into the controversy, including allowing Jody Wilson-Raybould to speak publicly about it. 
Now, it's a shocking invasion of privacy many people don't even notice. Hidden cameras in washrooms. But two friends in Toronto say it's more widespread than you think. And they've launched a website to fight back. It's here in a small boardroom in Vaughan, Ontario, where Sydney Eats and Richard Truce hope to spark a change across Canada by launching this website, one that they hope will call out peeping toms. When we started looking online and we saw these videos, we're like, oh my gosh, these people have no clue that they are basically being assaulted by someone and these repeat offenders are getting away with it. They said.org allows people to report hidden cameras in bathrooms or change rooms, warning others to stay away. It's a personal vendetta for Sydney Eats. She says she was upskirted at a Toronto event two years ago. A small camera on the floor that recorded her as she walked over it. She didn't know she was on camera until she saw herself online. It was horrible. I was like really depressed. I was traumatized. Cameras are becoming smaller and record in better quality. Easy to purchase online, easy to hide in discreet places. If you have your own camera, you can simply hide it behind one of the holes. Suddenly you have a wall outlet camera. Popping up everywhere. This downtown Starbucks under fire last year for not disclosing to the public right away that a camera was discovered under the sink facing the toilet. And the owners of this Oshawa restaurant charged with voyeurism when a camera was found inside the employee washroom. Now a hope this site can put an end to a disturbing trend that seems to be on the rise. And it's not until it happens to you that you start to realize, oh no, this is a big, this is a big issue, it should be tackled right away. Camille Karamali, Global News. The U.S. sailor who was immortalized in one of the most iconic photographs of all time has died. Life magazine photographer Alfred Eisenstadt captured George Mendonca locking lips with nurse Greta Friedman on VJ Day, the day Japan surrendered to the United States. It became one of the most famous and celebrated photographs of the 20th century. Mendonca died yesterday at the age of 95 from congestive heart failure. Greta Friedman died back in 2016 at the age of 92. In Health Matters tonight, a treatment that was once mostly for children with sensory issues is catching on with the general public. A growing number of people are swearing by weighted blankets, claiming they reduce stress and help them get a better night's sleep. More stores and websites are beginning to stock the blankets, which are filled with weighted beads or pellets. Doctors stress the health benefits are still anecdotal and say people need to be careful about the size and weight of the blankets, especially with children. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. A Montreal man has come up with an unusual but very necessary way to keep his world clear of snow. Not only is his solution cost-effective, it's eco-friendly. This is just a regular snowplow blade. What it's attached to is a little more unique. Frank Espina says he and his neighbors in the condo building he lives in needed snow removal services after the one they had hired let them down. They weren't efficient enough for our liking. Espina volunteered to come up with a better plan, a cost-effective, eco-friendly solution, which led him to this. So I went out and I looked into the smart car. Espina bought the electric car last year. He installed a custom-made receiver hitch to the front, ordered a snowplow from the United States, and then hooked it onto the car. 
The whole snow clearing setup cost him around $2,500. It, does it do a, a perfect job? No. But it does a good enough job that it'll push the snow and people can drive up the driveway and get a get out of the out of the garage. Don't expect to see this smart car plowing city streets, but he does hope his cutting edge idea will have a snowball effect. Hey, if uh, maybe car to go can uh, slap up some uh, snow plows on all their car to goes, and <laughs> this the city will be clean in uh, five minutes. <laughs> Felicia Perillo, Global News. Montreal. It actually looks like fun. I love that little thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, thousands of British Columbians are taking a break from shoveling snow to enjoy family day across the province. Is there such a thing as a smart car Zamboni? I'm not sure. But our Michael Newman is at Robson Square in downtown Vancouver right now, where families are enjoying some free skating on family day, Michael. Yes, they are. It's been the sentiment today is just how can we have the most fun in one day? Um, and today I'm, I'm having fun because my office is a skating rink. It's a, I can't really complain. Um, folks are just having a great time. And you know, the, the sentiment, of, like I was saying, is how can we just get away from the hustle and bustle, away from all the normal, mundane things and doing something fun. For some folks I was talking today, they went up to the mountain to ski or snowboard. For some folks, it was just to chill, like have a meal, you know, take a walk, take a hike, maybe skate a little bit. But, um, but really, it's about doing something fun. So um, here today at the skating rink, they're doing uh, free skate rentals um, until 9 p.m. tonight. So if the kids want to go to bed a little bit a little bit later, they can come rent some skates and just enjoy it. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm like I said, I hope obviously we're working today. But the families all across BC are really enjoying themselves. Lots of activities and events um, throughout the whole Lower Mainland today. And um, hopefully everybody enjoyed it and got to spend their time with their loved ones. Sending it back to you. That's awesome, Michael. And it looks pretty good. You're, you're, I've seen you on roller skates. It's different. Take a few strides. Let's see. Are we going to see you go it's down? Different. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to work on my back, my uh, my backwards skate thing, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to bust through and do Use a couple more laps before I come oh, yeah. back to the station. Of the kids. <laughs> more, a, uh, more a centerman or a winger than yeah. a than a D-man. It looks like right now. <laughs> Thank right. you. A Toronto man turns the drudgery of shoveling snow into an art form. We'll show you what this becomes after the forecast. It is amazing. Okay, could be some more snow around uh, these parts in the next little while. We'll check in with Yvonne, who's in for Christy tonight. Yes, and the concern will be uh, for the morning late commute and in towards the afternoon. Right now it is dry out there. Temperatures are cooling off. We're sitting at 2 with a southwesterly wind, light at 6 kilometers per hour. Temperatures will dip and hover the freezing mark for the morning, and that's where we'll see a lot of variability uh, depending on where you are across Metro Vancouver. So the next weather maker pushes its way in. The timing once again, will be late morning and in towards the afternoon. Most areas or many areas near the water will see it change over to rain quite quickly, but accumulating snowfall for higher elevations and eastern areas, especially in towards the Fraser Valley, with the range between 5 and up to 10 centimeters. So there's the amounts once again. Snow mixed with rain, but areas near the water, we're looking at it changing over to rain very quickly. By the morning hours, southern interior, we are looking at snowfall continuing right towards the evening, accumulating high 
higher amounts along the Coquihalla and the connector, five and up to 10 centimeters. Allison Pass, areas near the Kootenai Pass, looking at a range between four and up to eight centimeters. Rain changing over to snow along the north coast. It'll stay a snow inland, central and southern interior. Snowfall for the morning, developing and then continuing throughout the day with anywhere between two and up to four and then an additional two and four centimeters towards the evening hours. And at the south coast, we'll be keeping a close eye, especially with the temperatures hovering the freezing mark and that transition over to rain for many spots by the afternoon. But it'll be overnight and in towards the morning that we are seeing that potential. It's a quick moving system. That's the silver lining. Wednesday, Thursday, we'll be back into some sunshine. The next weather maker and the potential for snow once again will be in towards our Friday. Our weather window this evening, a beautiful shot that was taken from Renee at Summit Lake in the northeastern corner. Skies? Lovely. It looks like a painting. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Yvonne. Well, at this point, pretty much everyone across BC has had just about enough of shoveling snow, <laughs> even lower mainlanders. Maybe especially lower mainlanders. <laughs> but a Toronto man has found a way to have fun with it. When Robert Greenfield cleans off his backyard rink, he doesn't just shovel. He creates works of art and then shoots video with the drone. In this case, it's a little something he calls the Snona Lisa. He's also sculpted an igloo, jack-o'-lantern, and everyone's favorite snowman, Olaf, from Frozen. But the Snona Lisa, come on. <laughs> How does he even do that? That's amazing. It's a hockey stick. Yeah, so Canadian, right? He's a magician with a hockey stick, like Elias Pettersson. That's true, yeah. isn't it? See, that? See what I Wizard. did there? Okay, you're all... Am I messed up? Yeah. It's a good thing you're Phil's here. Got your Thank back. you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you do it my back, literally and figuratively. Thank you. Some highlights there. Mm, yeah. Some owies. Oh, yes. It started again. Well, you know, they got healthy. I think they were healthy for about, I don't know, six minutes and 23 seconds, and then everybody got hurt again. Uh, Ryan Getzlaff, the Canucks should send him their doctor's bills. He put two Canucks on the shelf last Wednesday. Today we find out that Jake Furtanen has a broken rib. He'll be out at least a month. Chris Tanev was seen a doctor today about his ankle injury, suffered in the same game against the same guy. Now, Vertanen is about the same weight as Getzlaff, both about 225, but he never saw him coming. And the compression of this hit did the damage. It was an interference penalty, but make no mistake, this was revenge on a hit moments earlier by Vertanen on Corey Perry. That means newly acquired Ryan Spooner might get a chance to play Thursday against Arizona. Speaking of Arizona, they were in Calgary today, and the Canucks were hoping for a Flames win. It's 1-0 Flames when Connor Garland. There seems to be a plethora of Connors in the world of sports these days. McDavid, of course. They lose the coverage. There's Keller. That's his man. This and goal, Connor McGregor. This goal by Mark Giordano made it 2 1 for the Flames. Then Austin Zarnick. Sam Bennett shot off a leg. 3 2 for the Flames. That's what the Canucks wanted to see. And they wanted to see more from Calgary, and they got it. Michael Froelich is the uh, Coyotes fall around the boards, and 5 2 is the final. I should mention there's a weird game going on between Chicago and Ottawa. 5 5 early in the second period. Early in the second, it was 5 4 Chicago after one. Both starting goalies have been pulled. Let's check out the standings after today. You see the Canucks still just outside the playoff spot that's held by Minnesota. That's the final playoff spot. There. To the Scotties. Quite happy Sarah Work. Yellow combo goal. Abbotsford, her rink representing BC against Alberta. She'll score two in the eighth to tie at 6 6. They'd actually go to extra ends in this one. Both were undefeated, these two teams, at 3 0 coming in, but Alberta. Uh, 
likes it. Simple takeout. BC's 3-1, Alberta 4-0, Ontario 4-0. Vancouver Whitecaps are happy with what they have seen so far from South Korean midfielder Hwang Inbom, who has finally joined the team in Los Angeles. He has shown some big-time skill in his home country and in international games. The Caps have big plans for him. Vancouver now just missing its strikers, Freddie Montero, who should be in by Thursday, and Joaquin Ardaiz, who's in Vancouver but needs his visa worked out so he can get to the States. All right. Since it's family day, we'd like to tell you the story of Amelia, who basically has two families, her regular family, and the second one with the Vancouver Giants, who have helped Amelia open up in ways she was never able to before. Amelia, who goes by Sign Girl, is her hockey personality. She's one of the kids with the biggest heart that I have ever known, and she has so much love for her hockey team. Amelia's hockey team is the Vancouver Giants of the Western Hockey League. And the bond between this 11-year-old and the Giants runs far deeper than the signs that she draws up prior to every home game. I love that she is bringing so much joy to other people, especially for a kid who, who um, as an, even as an infant, she couldn't cry out loud um, because of selective mutism, and she really struggled to self-advocate. So it's made a lot of social situations difficult and challenging for her. These signs became Amelia's voice, pieces of paper that allowed her to escape a childhood anxiety disorder that paralyzed Amelia from a world void of communication, one this youngster barely knew until two years ago when she attended her first Giants game. This is much deeper than just a fan. Amelia's become family. She's become part of the team. Uh, we notice if, if she isn't here and she misses a game. Um, I mean, she's, she's such a crucial staple to our building and our games. She's really, really special. The first autograph that I got was Ty Wadden. Yeah. The first autograph that I got that I slowly started to get the ball. What's special is the connection between the Giants, Amelia, and how far she's come in a couple years' time. Amelia had to ask for those autographs. For a child trying to escape a disorder that often leads to isolation and low self-esteem, try to imagine how challenging that was. This from a child who still has difficulty saying a single word to family members. So I got Ty McNabb and Bob decide to flag. It gets a little emotional sometimes thinking about where we were two years ago and you know she wanted to sit in the very back corner of the classroom and at one point she had a cardboard box walls around it because she didn't want other people to talk to her or look at her when she was working because it was it was too stressful the sign girl who barely spoke not that long ago is now front and center earlier this month she took to the ice for the very first time and what happened was truly magical Something that speaks volumes about Amelia, the Vancouver Giants, and the power of sport. We all uh, we all decided we wanted to make signs for her and take the signs to uh, to her practice, and I think that uh, it was good for for us and good for her. It was such a gift, and you know I have a feeling that this is something that is going to bolster her for the rest of her life. Unfortunately for Amelia's favorite hockey team today, they didn't win. No. But they're still one of the best in the Western League. Uh, losing 5-3 to Portland. Kelowna, a winner over Victoria. Kamloops and Everett beat PG 4-1. to There you go. It's a great story. It is a great story. It sure is. And she's got a strong pun game, too, in her side. <laughs> yes, she does. You know, yeah. that goes over very well around here. Yeah. We enjoy a pun. 
here's a look at your snow report for today. Whistler Blackcomb with a base of 250 centimeters. 220 for Grouse, Cypress 310, and Sasquatch 244. Revelstoke with one new centimeter snow. Fernie, five new centimeters. Manning Park with a base of 160 and 236 for Whitewater. Big White with two new centimeters. Silver Star with a base of 189 and Sun Peaks 164. Kicking Horse with a base of 176, 225 for Mount Washington, and Powder King 258. All right, the only thing maybe worse than shoveling snow, although it has been a little bit enjoyable, <laughs> is accidentally losing a precious belonging while you're doing it. Enter a White Rock-based company coming to the rescue and sparking a worldwide movement. On the slopes of Burnaby Mountain, Chris Turner trudges through snow with his $1,200 dual-field metal detector, listening for sounds that could be golden. The White Rock resident reunites people with their lost jewelry. It's the best job I've ever had, and everybody's ring has a beautiful story attached to it. And I leave it up to people to reward me what it's worth to them and what they can afford. I've... I've got a homemade loaf of banana bread one time. I've done it for smiles, and I've made as much as $2,000 for a reward. His worldwide network of volunteers, the ringfinders.com, has returned more than 5,000 rings to their owners. Oh, you... <laughs> no way! Recent cold and snowy conditions led four people to call him after the rings slipped off. He found all four including a <laughs> Tiffany engagement ring. Oh, my God, you found it! Ah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you! We've had a lot of snow recently. What is that? How does that impact lost and found rings? Uh, Catherine, good, good question. It, it really eats up rings really easily. The last four searches I had were people scraping snow off their car and just wiping the snow, and the rings go flying. Their hands shrink the, uh, the wet, and it goes into the snow. Oh, here's a good signal. Turner suspects others are way. heartbroken after losing jewelry in the snow. If so, he's encouraging you to contact him. If you've lost something, if you think you know where you lost it, if it's in a park, a yard, the side of the road, contact me. I'll come out and I'll go, find it for man. you if it's still there. Wow. How does that feel? Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, you're so welcome. Right there. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. <laughs> So cool. I wish he could travel back in time to 2004 in a New York City cab for reasons that will go unnamed right now. <laughs> but I hope Jane is watching. <laughs> well, that was the story I got from my, from my wife one night when she came back. Well, you're, you're still married. So. I still am. 21 years. And I still got mine. Uh, okay, last uh, word on weather before we go here. The ring finders might be busy once again tomorrow. Are you pawn shops in New York snow? City? <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, I did everything I could to find that ring. <laughs> uh, we are looking at uh, the snow developing or the potentials there. Uh, late morning and into the afternoon. Many spots near the water, though, we'll see that change back over to rain. You know and she, sun on Wednesday. She, yeah. She's yelling at the TV right she now. She is. Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> it's all right. Insurance covered it. We're all Fire good. She got a replacement, okay. and it's even better. Aww. Thanks for watching, everybody. Have a good night. Good night, all.